Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. I absolutely love this because, you know, if you own a home, it can be really hard to maintain. It's hard to find people that can help you for a big project or a small. Well, whether it's in everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality, it can be hard just to know where to start. But now all you need to do is answer that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish. Or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. Be a part of the best pro wrestling podcast today by supporting the Going In Raw Patreon. You can enjoy access to the live taping of the show, exclusive merchandise, and patron-only episodes, and so much more. Support Going In Raw today. Click the link in the description. Hey, friend, Steve here. And Larson. And welcome to Going In Raw Countout, the only pro wrestling countdown show that can be found here at youtube.com forward slash Stephen Larson. And available wherever fine podcasts are. Be sure to hit that subscribe button, whether on YouTube or on the podcast app that you use, because it uh, a helps boost the profile of the show, and b lets you know whenever there's new going in raw content. Correct. We're also on Patreon at patreon.com forward slash Stephen Larson, where we offer up live streams, bonus episodes, voting on things on the show, and uh, the ability to put your video questions on the dirt sheet and the t-shirt. We got an exclusive t-shirt. Can't get anywhere else. Correct. I know that for a fact because I keep them all in that little blue cabinet over there. Correct. Anyways. We're also Pro Wrestling Tees. Speaking of t-shirts, ProWrestlingTees.com slash Going In Raw 10 Designs. More coming. Yeah. I mean. It's on the way. It's on the way. I know I sound like a broken record at this point, but it's on the way. We're going to be on Spotify a long time. You know, a long time. We had a whole thing about it. Road to Spotify. Road to Spotify. That road is reached dead end, Larson. Oh, yes. Anyway, speaking of dead ends, tag teams often reach dead ends. And, and then they break up. Illustrious careers. And then, yes, as you say, they broke it. They break up. Uh, we most recently saw this this past Monday night on Raw. And we saw uh, Cass yes. revealed as Enzo's attacker and said, no more Enzo and Cass. He said, I wanted you to know how stupid you are. Yeah. Man, they've known each other since they were literally in, like, elementary school. They've, they've known still, of each other. I'm sure they're still friends. You think so? Backstage, I don't, You yeah. just said you're stupid. Well, I was on television. You call me stupid all the time. We're, we're still friends. We're still friends. I don't think I've ever called you stupid. No, that'd be messed up. Not like for reals. No. Um, but anyway, so that got us thinking, what other big, high-profile tag team breakups were the most quality tag team breakups in wrestling history? Yeah. When did tag team wrestling start? What was the first tag You're team match? You're instantly getting way off topic. <laughs> Do you think a swerve happened during that first tag team match? Did, did Frank Gotch and George Hackenschmidt swerve each other? I don't know. I don't think they were ever... Give me a quick answer before we move on. All right. Tag, history of tag team wrestling on Wikipedia. Nin- in 1901, the first tag team match was held in the United States in San Francisco. 
Oh, see, we should have shot this wherever that was. Um, let's see here. Yeah, there's no info about that, though. But I want to know more about that one from 1901. Anyways, different time, different place. Uh, let's get started with this countdown, Larson. Yes. Number 10. 10. Cactus Jack and Mikey Whipwreck. Of course, this is ECW. Yeah, yeah um, uh, we talked about Mikey Whipwreck in a previous episode. He got a start in ECW just by working on the ring crew. Yeah. Volunteer. He was truly, uh, you know, the fans' representative. Yes, because... In exchange for their work, um, several people on the ring crew um, uh, would get to, you know, like try out moves and stuff in the ring before mm-hmm. and after shows. Yeah. And Mikey Whipwreck um, was noticed by Joey Styles. Joey Styles brought Mikey brought Mikey to uh, Paul Heyman's attention, mm-hmm. and Paul Heyman said, "Okay, let's train him." And uh, Mick Foley mm-hmm. ended up training Mikey Whipwreck. Yes. Um, Oh, I remember it was. It was the we did a, a, a count out about something like biggest uh, championship upsets or something like yeah, that. Where, yeah, yeah, yeah. Where Mikey Whipwreck beat Sandman for the title, and one of the first piece people to come out yeah. to uh, congratulate Mikey was Cactus Jack. Right, right, right. Um, when the rest of the locker room came out, they were very wary of Jack mm-hmm. at that moment. Crazy. Nonetheless, fast forward a bit to December 1995. Uh, Mikey is in a winner-takes-all match against two Cold Scorpio where uh, both the television title and the tag titles are up for grabs. Scorpio held those with Sandman. Yes, the tag titles, yeah. correct. Um, Cactus Jack helped Mikey win that match thanks to a dirty deed. He gave a dirty, <laughs> gave a dirty deed. And, uh, and uh, helped Mikey pick up both belts. Mm-hmm. And then Cactus Jack declared that he would be Mikey's partner. Right. Um, uh, you know, Mikey, uh, I guess being the upstanding young gentleman that he was, um, was not happy with the way uh, he won that match. Yeah, didn't want to win by nefarious means. Yeah, so that caused tension between Mikey and Cactus. Yeah. Student and mentor. Yeah, well, Cactus Jack was also crazy. He was. Super crazy. So uh, this all came to a head on the February 6th episode of Hardcore TV when the Eliminators mm-hmm. used total elimination mm-hmm. <laughs> to uh, to beat Mikey Whipwreck. Yeah. After the match, Raven comes in, mm-hmm. starts beating up Mikey, mm-hmm. and at first it seems like Cactus Jack's making the save. He pulls Raven off him, you know, like pushes him to the opposite side of the ring. Uh, he says something, Raven just poses. <laughs> yeah. And then Cactus Jack goes and starts beating on Mikey. Yeah. Swerve complete. Yeah, it was a great thing too. Is that you know you're you're sort of thinking, okay, well, what's what's your motivation here? You know, Jack might be aligning with Raven, uh, and in on e, on Hardcore TV did these really really great end of episode promo uh, montages. Yeah, like Paul go to people in the locker room. You have two minutes. You have ninety seconds. You have three minutes. That's what and, it felt like, really. And it was all like you know promo 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 yeah. promo. Sometimes it would go back to a previous promo. I like would pick up where it left off. But it was all done to um, what sounded like Dick Dale music. Kind of, the, yeah. The, sur- the surf type music. Surf type music that you'd hear. Because, you know, this, per- when was this, 94? So this was, this was post-Pulp Fiction. Yeah. I'm pretty sure that's where they got their inspiration from. Because, um, you know, Pulp Fiction kicks off with that great uh, Miserloo. Um, and uh, and they, were really, they were really, really creative. And I was telling you this off camera, you know, we, we've seen our fair share of, you know, YouTube uh, productions when it comes to wrestling, you know, I mean, before the the big adpocalypse or the wrestling algorithm, whatever you want to call it for YouTube, you know, YouTube is a viable way for uh, several indie wrestling federations to make a decent amount of change, WCPW being sort of the most most prominent yeah, yeah. one. Um, but a lot of these others, like sort of indies, could, 
could use and WC, WCPW they have huge production value so I'm not talking about them here yeah but we've seen others that I'm not going to name that could could stand to look at some of these old hardcore TVs from ECW as a source of inspiration for some creativity because it's not like they had they didn't have better cameras back then they didn't have better anything back then it's just everything was so wonderfully there was so much energy to everything yes. they did. The funny thing about this, so in one of those prompts, taking a scenic route once again, one of those promos at the end was Cactus Jack and Raven, and Cactus Jack was, was sort of explaining his motivation, kind of, for his swerve on Mikey Whipwreck. It had to do with Doritos. Yeah, it had to do with Doritos. So apparently uh, what was happening was that uh, Cactus, seeing that uh, his former student was, was low on funds, mm-hmm. would give him rides. Yeah. Help him pay tolls. Yes. From show to show, and he'd say, "Okay, Mikey, here's some money. Go into the gas station and buy, you know, some food for the mm-hmm. trip." Yeah. And so after Cactus would finish pumping gas, he'd come into the car, and there were two bags of Doritos. <laughs> yeah. Which uh, he objected to because, he, as Cactus Jack said, he had an eating disorder. Yes. Um. <laughs> and so it feels so much like the relationship between you and I. <laughs> like, well, I wouldn't buy Doritos. Like, I'd if buy, you like, did, you know, I'm like, you know what? What do you? We'd do? have like, Quest bars. Yeah, ex- yeah, exactly. Um. Or if you want to go to McDonald's, I'm like, oh, damn it. You know I can't resist McDonald's. Um, and right after he says that, there's a really quick cut back to Mikey. He says, what? Doritos? <laughs> back to Cactus and Raven. <laughs> but, but the great, like, Mikey was already showered and dressed. Yeah. And so I'm, I'm glad, I'm heartened that Mikey Whipwreck took it all kind of in stride. Yeah, he seemed to get over things pretty quickly. He was just kind of curious as to, really? Doritos is the reason why you just did that to me? Yeah. So, and another, another thing that kind of heartened me was during the actual swerve, when uh, Cactus Jack is holding Mikey Whipwreck, Raven comes over with a chair and gives him the lightest love tap with that chair I've ever... That literally might have been, I'm not going to call it weak, the safest chair safest. shot I've ever seen in my yes. life. Raven must have really liked Mikey Whipwreck. Could be. Could Maybe be. Raven is just a very safe worker. That could be. Raven, there was so much great of it. Like, just, we were sort of skimming through the episode for research before this. There was so much great about that. was also the, the, the final promos. Perry Saturn shaving his head. Yeah. Because he had, like, a wonderful mullet. Yeah. That was great. Getting back to this feud, um, they had their blow-off match at Big Ass Extreme Bash in March of 1996. Great title um, for a pay-per-view. Uh, which saw... Is uh, that a pay-per-view or just No, like I think it's just like a... a TV event yeah, type thing. Okay. Um, which saw uh, Mikey go over in Cactus Jack's uh, last match in ECW. Mm-hmm. Number nine. Nine. Hollywood Blondes. Uh, so this, of course, is uh, Steve Austin prior to him becoming Stone Cold. Yep. And uh, Flying Brian Pillman. Uh, they were put together. So if I, if it's, I recall correctly. It's kind correctly, of a weird thing where they were put together kind of uh, casually at first. Yeah. But then they started, you know, it, it, it was one of those things where, so Austin, you know, they Austin got the impression they were going to start pushing him for a U.S. title run. And he comes in one day and he, he thought that that was going to be the plan. And instead they decided to, to, to put him with uh, Pillman. And he's like, well, that's a bunch of crap. So it was sort of a rocky start, but it really seemed to be the case of two guys making the absolute most of yes. their opportunity because they started to learn that they worked really well together. Their styles were very complementary towards each other. Yes, and, and, and from what I understand is, is they were the ones that came up with the Hollywood Blonde name. Right. Um, they were the ones that came up with, came up with the, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, the, all the little uh, aspects of their gimmick. They had fantastic chemistry. Yes, they did. Yeah. Um, so, uh, while they first started, uh, teaming together in October 92, they really didn't make their official Hollywood Blondes debut till January of the following year. Yeah. 
March of, of 93, uh, an episode of Power Hour. And it's a shame, honestly. I love So w, uh, WWE Network doesn't have, from what I can tell, any of the WCW Saturday nights on their network, nor do they have Power Hour. Power Hour. Um, but on Power Hour, Austin and Pillman defeated Ricky Steamboat and Shane Douglas <laughs> when the NWA uh, World Tag Team Championships. Um, they had, you know, they were in, involved in a feud. Hollywood Blondes held on those belts after that. They moved on to a feud with the Four Horsemen, high-profile stuff. And this was right after Ric Flair came back oh, yeah. to WCW from a, 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 stint a, yeah, a year-long yeah. stint in, in WWF. And so uh, WCW gave Flair a, a television segment called A Flair for the Gold, because apparently he could come back to WCW but not wrestle. They for really, a time. they really over because the, 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 they had there was an NWA pay per view when he first won the gold, and it was called Flair for the Gold. Yeah, so they really ran that phrase. They really liked that, that that pun. <laughs> they did. Um, and so during the program between the Horsemen and the Hollywood Blondes, the Hollywood Blondes started their own segment called A Flair for the Old. That's awesome. Um, and uh, so they would impersonate, um, I believe it was Arn mm-hmm. and uh, uh, Flair. Mm-hmm. Um, and this led to a match at Clash of Champions 23, um, where uh, the Horsemen won. It's a two out of three falls match. Um, the Horsemen ended up winning, but because in the final fall, Barry Windham interfered. Oh, damn you, Windham. And that started a feud between Windham and Flair. Okay. Um, not long after that, Pillman hurt his ankle. There was a scheduled title match at Clash of Champions 24. Four. Um, that he couldn't make, so instead Austin had to team with Lord Steven Regal mm. and drop the titles to Arn Anderson and Paul Roma. Mm. Pretty Paul Roma. Yeah. Um, and of course, now without the titles and with Pillman injured, they kind of just casually split the team up for a while. Yeah. Um, Austin finally got his uh, United States title program mm-hmm. against yeah. Dustin Rhodes. Yeah. Um, and then after that, they just kind of put them back together again. Yeah. yeah. A few more feuds. Um, until uh, at this point, Austin's manager was Colonel Rob Parker. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and so uh, on October 30th, 1993, an episode of Saturday Night. Not Power Hour. Not Power Hour. Um, uh, Again, no network doesn't have WCW. No. Sorry, right. um, so after they won a match, Parker comes out, says, good job, Steve Austin. Mm-hmm. Way to win the match. Yeah. Um, Pillman. Didn't like that. So an exception to that because Parker was giving love and attention to Austin, not Pillman. Yeah. yeah. So uh, apparently Parker brought up uh, Pillman's knee injury and said something to the extent of, if you were a racehorse, they would put you down. Whoa! Or he would put him down. Yeah. Parker, that is, would yeah. put Pillman down. Um, you know, in response, Pillman, upset. Mm-hmm. He took it to Colonel Parker, mm-hmm. um, Austin, Defended, his manager attacked Pillman, Austin heel turn. Yeah. Um, and this would lead to a, a fairly underwhelming feud. Yeah. It, um, all, it all revolved around a chicken suit. Pretty much. So on the January 14th, 1994 episode of WCW Saturday Night, 
uh, Pillman and Austin had a match. Mm-hmm. And I believe if Pillman won this match, then the chicken suit match would happen at uh, Clash of Champions, yeah, correct? Yeah, and he, yeah, he did win, but then Austin uh, attacked him from behind, and they tried to put the chicken head on him. Yeah, and they kind of did halfway, and they seemed content with that. Yeah, exactly. Moved on. So then Pillman took on Colonel Rob Parker in a loser-must-wear-a-chicken-suit match at Clash of Champions 20, uh, what was 16. No, it was 26. Was it 26? It was 26, 26. 26. Yeah. okay. Um, and, uh, and yeah, uh, th- there was some interference from Big Boss Man. The Boss. Who was called the Boss at the time. And uh, that led to Pillman going over. Got the roll one up. with the roll-up. And uh, so on the next episode, the following episode. Of Saturday night, yeah. Of Saturday night, we're assuming uh, Colonel Parker wore that chicken. So we won't know because it's not on the network. It's not on the network. We got no confirmation for that. No confirmation. They, they did actually have an Austin versus Pillman blow-off match. Kind of. This was eight months later. Yeah, but they had brought up... Uh, I was watching this match on YouTube, and they brought up uh, their split mm. um, several times. So it was still okay. a part of the story they were telling. Things yes. moved slower back then. guess so. Um, so, yeah, on September 3rd, 1994, they had another match. I'm not sure if it was their last, but it was one. Um, and, and in the DQ after Austin put Pillman in the Tree of Woe mm. and was stomping on him, oh, no. referee Nick Patrick uh, gave Austin a five count stop. Austin refused. He got disqualified. Oh, no. Out came Ricky Steamboat oh, the um, and attacked Austin um, because this is all leading up to their their match at Halloween Havoc yeah. 94 for the U.S. Good title. Match, yeah. yeah, kind of weird, man, because like Pillman, I, we were, when we were doing research for this entry, um, I was going through all the pay-per-views and he kind of disappeared from television. He was or pay per view. Well, yeah. Well, that's the crazy thing is that so he was on all these Clash of Champions and he was like on Saturday nights and stuff. And I'm assuming he's on whatever Power Hour is. But for whatever reason, they never use him on pay per view. Yeah, that's weird. It was like kind of sparingly. It was just absolutely weird. I don't know what the deal. I don't know. I have no idea what the deal with that is. He had like one match with a uh, uh, Regal, which went to a time limit draw for the television championship. But yeah, later or uh, mid '94, I yeah, think. It looks like February '94. He was in a oh, he was in a, a, a Thunder Cage six man tag match. It was himself, Dustin Rhodes, and Sting against Paul Orndorff, Rick Root, and Steve Austin. And that was in February. Yeah, yeah, but then later on in the year, then he had the the match against Regal in April, and then oh, November. Not the until November. Oh, that's, that's ECW. ECW. Okay, yeah. Oh, my goodness. I mean, I know he had, like, very... I think he had some injuries here and there. Even 95, there's not a lot. And this is all, all on Pro Fight DB. I don't know how uh, yeah. thorough this is, but even 95, there's not a ton. Very thorough. Hmm. Um, anyways, number eight. Eight. Eddie Guerrero and Rey Mysterio. Yeah. So, uh, the, no way out. What year was this? The, let me just say this. The greatest thing about this particular breakup is it eventually led to a... Basically, custody papers on a pole type match. They weren't literally on a pole. I'm saying that metaphorically, but this all led to. Was it a ladder match? Wait, were the custody papers actually uh, hovering above the ring? I thought so. <laughs> yeah, ladder match. Oh, oh god. Oh, that's terrible. Anyways, yeah. Uh, so basically, I mean, Eddie Guerrero and Rey Mysterio, they go back obviously always. Like yes. they're basically family. Um, and they had some amazing encounters in WCW over the Cruiserweight Championship. Halloween Havoc 97. Was a fantastic match. Just an absolutely fantastic match. So, of course, uh, once Eddie made his way over to WCW and Ray made his way over to WCW, it wasn't that long before we see these guys start mixing it up. Um, the main brunt of their, of their uh, uh, feud sort of revolved around WrestleMania 21. So, at the No Way Out previous... 
uh, Guerrero teamed up with uh, Mysterio and defeated the Basham brothers to win what would sadly be his last WWE title, which was the Tag Team Championships. Yes. Um, for He had actually had it thir- three times before that. It was Mysterio's third reign. Um, uh, this led to a match, surprisingly, not uh, as, tag, as tag team partners, but against each other at WrestleMania 21. Um, because Eddie wanted to quote bring the house down. Yeah, so it was a, hey, let's let's steal the show, you and I. So they went in as tag team champions partners. They went in as opponents. Yes, in sort of uh, an exhibition, a respect bout. Yes, pretty much. And it was good. Yeah, it was great. Mysterio won. Yes. Um, and that sort of you know got uh, Guerrero a little bit you know disheartened. Yes, frustrated with that. And that uh, that and that uh, feelings. Intensified. Snowballed. Yes. April 21st, an episode of SmackDown, they lost the tag team championships to Johnny Nitro and Joey Mercury. Ooh, nice. M&M. Mm-hmm. Um, and then uh, next week they had a, a rematch, lost that. Mm-hmm. And then uh, starting there is when uh, Eddie really started to turn heel. Yeah. It culminated on the May 5th, 20, 2005 episode of SmackDown when he attacked Mysterio. So, right, yeah, like right as this happened, I think it was right after this, that's when he stopped coming out in the Lowriders. He used, like, more ominous music. Yeah. He came out slow walking with a frown on his face. Yeah, I remember this. Yeah, it was fantastic. It was, it was awesome. Um, and so then anyways, it led to the, the, the custody papers on the uh, ladder match. So around this time, yeah, around this time, Eddie started referring or started referencing or uh, insinuating that there was some sort of secret sort of secret he had about La Familia. And, uh, and essentially, he goes on to tell, I think, Dominic, uh, 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 Ray Mysterio's kid, Dominic, Eddie Guerrero basically says, I had a kid out of wedlock. I offered that child up for adoption to uh, Ray Mysterio and his wife. They had trouble conceiving on their own. And so essentially, Eddie is Dominic's papi. That's what the thing was. And Eddie wanted, because Ray was such a butthole, Eddie wanted custody back instead of going through normal legal channels, which admittedly is expensive and a pain in the ass. Yeah. They decided to put the custody papers up, uh, suspended above uh, a ring ring. with ladders all around. Yeah. And they would fight for it. Right. Which I'm not even sure is legal. but, But anyways... That, uh, that, of course, Rey Mysterio was able to keep his child. Yes. He won that particular match. Um, and uh, it says here that the uh, on the September 9th episode of uh, Smackdown. Uh, Smackdown, their feud ended when Guerrero gained a victory over Mysterio in a steel cage match. Um, sadly, it was only two months later that uh, Eddie Guerrero died. He was found uh, in his hotel room in uh, Minneapolis. Um, oh, I didn't know. He was found by Chavo. Oh, that's so sad. Mm-hmm. He had tried to attempt. He attempted CPR. He's only thirty. Golly, he's my age. He's only thirty-eight years wow. old. Wow. Willikers. So yeah, that was the. I I, I honestly like. That's <clears throat> that's a few. It's it's so ridiculous. But Guerrero, they they played it so straight, and Guerrero's heel persona was so still so entertaining. Mm-hmm. He gave everything he, he had. Did. He always to did. everything he, always he did. did. And it was very entertaining. It's like, you know it's wrestling, you know it's cheesy, but uh, the fact that they had, you know, this is a storyline straight out of uh, Over the Top. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Can't go wrong, man, if it's Over the Top. <laughs> Number seven. Seven. The Hardy Boys. 
I kind of remember watching this match. Okay. The Hardy's first match as the Hardy Boys when they defeated Kai and Ty mm-hmm. um, September 27th, 1998. So that had been when we were living in L.A., sharing an apartment. Yeah. I kind of remember watching this. Yeah. Um, and then not long after that, they uh, had themselves a new manager. Yeah, Doc Hendricks, baby. Why couldn't they have just called him Michael Hayes? I don't know. Very sad. I'm still confused by that. Um, anyway, Obviously, that didn't work that out. That did not last that very long out. at all. That did not last at all. So after a brief run as members of the new brood, they went out on their own, um, eventually uh, forming Team Extreme. With Lita. With Lita. And they were super over. They were so over. <laughs> they had the tag team championship six times. Yeah, it was wonderful. Um, and that you know, uh, run of success came to an abrupt end. On uh, August 12th, 2002, during an episode of Raw, when I guess tensions were mounting, mm-hmm. because at this point Jeff had started a, a singles run yeah. and was doing well for himself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, Matt, not so much. Not so much. So, during a match against Rob Van Dam, there was an incident. Matt um, comes in after a ref bump and gives Jeff, Jeff, gives Jeff, gives Jeff. Give Jeff a twist of fate. Costing him that match yeah. and inciting, you know, jealousy. Yeah. Essentially, then that is why he uh, turned on his brother. Right. Um, Matt was then moved over to SmackDown, mm-hmm. where he dubbed himself Matt Hardy V1. Mm-hmm. Was it this? Yeah, I think it was. He's this. still doing that. Yeah. V1. Wonderful. Um, oh, I get it now. V1. Yeah, okay. V1. Yeah. Nice. Um, uh, that was just the first time he turned on his brother. <laughs> like it's it's amazing how dated. I mean, it's not it's not surprising, but when he used to come down as V one and they had the little real. Oh, that was thing. great! I love that. And they would make it all jumpy and pixely. I know. Even like even that's what we had for video back then. But even that was like four years after real players even think. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I love that. They were just getting around to knowing what internet was back then. I know. Then. And they, no one had Twitter. Of course, Twitter wasn't a thing then. So right, they yeah, had yeah. their own web pages. Yeah, it was yeah, all exactly. WWEHardyBoys.com yeah. and stuff like that. <laughs> that's why I noticed was at WrestleMania 17 and everybody comes out. Everybody has their website. Oh, that's funny. That's hilarious. It was interesting. Um, but that wasn't the last time he turned on his brother. Nope. 2009 Royal Rumble. Fast, yeah, this is fast forward a ways after yeah, the whole years. Matt and Lita and Edge thing. All that. All that. Um, uh, at the Royal Rumble, uh, Jeff Hardy had a match against Edge. Matt Hardy came in with a steel chair, hit his brother with it, let Edge uh, win the WWE Championship. Um, on the following episode of SmackDown, um, Matt said, no more Hardy Boys. Yeah. Which obviously hasn't, you know, stuck. Yeah, no, absolutely no. And Matt sure gave Edge a lot of things, huh? Yeah. <laughs> a lot of prizes. So they they uh oh, sorry go ahead they <laughs> wonderful they had another feud um they had an extreme rules match at WrestleMania 25 Matt won that mm-hmm. a stretcher match Matt won that mm-hmm. um they were split up by the 2009 draft nonetheless they had an I quit match at Backlash of that year which Jeff won mm-hmm. but uh not finished Matt prevented Jeff from winning the WWE Championship at Judgment Day. Mm-hmm. Of course, they went on and became the winningest tag team in time and space. Yes. And, During uh, the expedition for gold. Exactly. And now they're uh, back together as a, as a tag team, and they're 
in the hunt once again for their waiting for raw tag legal goals. proceedings to play out before they can <laughs> return to the broken university. <laughs> They're just waiting on all that merch money, man. Ooh, at which boy. point, at which point, uh, Jeff Hardy will get a universal title shot, and mm-hmm. I'm sure Matt will be yeah, maybe vying for the Intercontinental title. Yeah, maybe, maybe wonderful. And there's actually a much better chance yeah. that Matt would win that title as opposed mm. to Jeff, because Jeff's not winning the Universal Championship from Brock Lesnar at all. You don't think it's going to happen? The match may happen. Jeff's not winning. Mm, maybe not. I don't know. It depends. Yeah, maybe not. Probably not. No. I don't Vince really likes Jeff. I know. So it wouldn't surprise me if, like, after this whole Roman Brock thing is done with. Oh, after that. But I mean, I mean like, the rumors were saying that it was, you know, between, between now, now and Mania? Yeah. Oh, God. That's not going to happen. Yeah, that's what I said. Yeah, no. Uh, number six. Six. The Mega Powers, brother. This is a few they took two years to... To, to to brew and play yeah. itself out, the culminating every, at WrestleMania five. In fairness, every feud back then took at least about that amount of time because there were so few TVs. That's not true. That is. They, they, do they have weekly TV? Yeah. What they have? Oh, uh, it was on USA. I remember watching it. Really? Yeah. Oh, I did. Oh, weekly. Wow. Okay. I mean, uh, why did event. stuff take so long then? Because it was well, know. they have less pay per views. Yes, they did. They only have four pay per views mm-hmm. a year. So, and then there's only like. One of those had singles matches. Like uh, everything else was always like tag matches. Yeah, Survivor Series. It was all Survivor Series. That was terrible. Survivor Series terrible back then. Yeah, it wasn't that great of an idea. No, it wasn't. No. Oh no no. So the the Mega Powers started as an alliance between the two hottest faces in WWF at the time. Yeah, man. Macho Man Randy Savage, Hulk Hogan. Oh yeah. Um, started October third, nineteen eighty seven, during an episode of Saturday Night's Main Event. Um, Macho Man was uh, taking on Honky Tonk Man Macho. for the Intercontinental title. Yeah. Um, Honky Tonk Man was up to no good. Um, Miss Elizabeth went backstage, came out with Hulk Hogan, um, uh, and made the save mm-hmm. on Macho Man. Mm-hmm. So from there, they uh, apparently didn't really have uh, any televised matches. They were wrestling as a tag team on the house show circuit. Because they didn't do TV back They did do TV. <laughs> um, Why did things take so long then if they had weekly TV? This is called good storytelling, Steve. No, I... I come on. Um, uh, they uh, made their uh, televised tag team debut, SummerSlam 88. They took on Andre the Giant and Ted DiBiase. I believe this was after this was after Macho Man won the uh, heavyweight title. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, with the help of Hulk Hogan. Mm-hmm. Um, and then uh, about eight months later, February 1989, things started going sour. Yeah. For the Mega Powers. Yeah. Again on Saturday night main event, um, they were wrestling the Twin Towers. Um, uh, one man gang. Yeah. <laughs> Hakeem. Yeah, threw Macho Man out of the ring into Elizabeth. Oh, no. Knocking her out. Hogan uh, decided to not wrestle the match anymore <laughs> and carried Elizabeth backstage. <laughs> so Macho Man was there to wrestle the Twin Towers all by himself. All by himself. So, uh, Why didn't Hogan say, Randy, you take her back to the med room. I'll take care of these, brother. I think Hogan was trying to get a little feel action. He was trying to get Maybe. Little Anyways. Little Elizabeth finally came to, Hogan went back out to the ring, uh, looked for the tag. Savage said, eh, eh. Mm-hmm. Wouldn't be the last time that Hogan had some dealings with a friend's wife. <laughs> yeah. Oh, goodness. Um, so uh, Macho Man <laughs> said, I'm done with this, went backstage, 
They had a huge argument. Yeah. Backstage. <laughs> that argument looked legit, too. I'm I know. Pretty sure, pretty sure that was real. Um, and that led I to... I think the Mega Powers actually broke up. <laughs> I like don't think that was a story yeah, I, I think I that was an actual argument. And it all led to a match at WrestleMania 5. Yeah. Where Hogan reclaimed the uh, WWF title. And it's an interesting match because the first half of the match feels very much like a Macho Man match. Mm-hmm. Energy's good. Pace relatively quick. Yeah. Some uh, some uh, false finishes, near falls, right. and the second half just turns into a pretty basic Hogan match where he no sells everything, <laughs> and and just throws a lot of punches. <laughs> oh man, yeah. Was it Tuesday Night Titans? I remember watching as a, uh, you know, like in the mid '80s, yeah. Saturdays on the USA Network. That's what I remember. On the USA Network, Pro- oh, was it primetime wrestling? No, because it was under in the day. It's on, like, Saturday afternoons. Well, it doesn't have to be actually prime time. Hold on. Oh, I guess not. <laughs> uh, let's see here. Uh, Two-hour weekly program. There you go. So this is the, the forerunner to, the, to, to, to Raw. They just taped everything back then. From uh, 85 to 93. Why did things take so long back then? I just figured because wasn't there, they were on TV that long. No, they were on every week. Oh, man. What the heck? Wrestling's had weekly television for decades. For decades, apparently. And I'm the guy with the wrestling podcast. I didn't watch it back then, though, man. I'm good. From, I'm good from Attitude Era on, man. Don't ask me these classic You're lost. questions. You didn't get to see the Mega Power story unfold. No, I didn't. I didn't know. I I, I didn't know that Hogan was uh, was ever a good guy. I just knew him from NWO. I thought he was always the bad guy. And then I, I know that's not true. First of all. <laughs> No, you know, my first exposure to wrestling was actually the cartoon. I know. So, and I always knew, oh, Hulk Hogan, he's cool. Rock and wrestling. Yeah, rock and wrestling. So I knew that. That was weekly. But I knew they advanced storylines hella quick, like in a span of an hour. You well, had, there you had, you had set up and blow off by the end of the 30 well, minutes. Self-contained episode. <laughs> <laughs> All right, what's next? Number five. Five. Edge and Christian. Uh Edge and Christian had been friends for a long time before ever debuting in WWF. Oh, man, yeah. They knew each other forever. Yeah, they were lived in the same neighborhood, I think. Something like that. They went to wrestling school together, yeah. wrestled in the indies together yep. as a tag team using various names um, before coming to WWF mm-hmm. in 98. Um, Edge, you know, debuting in those vignettes that were always saying, you think you know me. You think you know me. You think you know me. When they just, he was just malingering about town like at night. Yeah. Like in various alleyways. Yeah. Yeah. And he'd just be, like, sitting somewhere in the arena, too. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. He always had sunglasses on inside. Yeah. It was weird. And his Matrix jacket. <laughs> yeah. People loved the Matrix back then, dude. They did. Um, uh, sorry, Christian debuted shortly thereafter as a member of The Brood. Mm-hmm. And in storyline, he was Edge's brother. Yeah, that's right, yeah. Um, so there's a storyline about Christian trying to get Edge to join The Brood, which he did. And then they eventually both split, mm. uh, turning face, and they went on to hold the tag team title seven times. Seven times. Edge did a lot of neat things. He did a lot of neat things, including winning the King of the Ring in 2001. Can that please be next week's count out? Count out? Okay. The top ten neatest things Edge did. Sure, I like that idea. Edge did a lot of neat things, Larson. He did. He yeah. did a lot of neat things. I mean, we might have to do three count- countdowns. That might have to be like a whole month-long spectacular. The month of Edge. <laughs> Edge month. Edgeuary. <laughs> Edge timber. Edge timber is the only other, yeah. <laughs> All right, anyways. So, um, yeah, Edge won the 2001 King of the Ring. And, again, jealousy yeah. became an issue breaking apart a tag Why team. Why can't any of these people just be? You know what, man? If you found solo success 
As long as it didn't hurt my bottom line, I'd be very happy for you. Likewise. Yeah, exactly. So You, you uh, fully support my solo MF Steve yeah. here channel. Yeah, do what you want. Do you watch my shows? Not at all. No. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. Anyways, continue. I barely have time to watch what we do. <laughs> I don't watch ours. Sometimes I'll listen to us on a jog. I wish I had time to watch your stuff. I just, there's not enough hours in the day. I have like there's 12 hours. There's nothing in there that you don't already know. There's 12 hours of wrestling a week or something like that I have to watch. There's nothing in there that you want to see. Anyways, September 3rd, Raw's War. Yeah. Uh, in Toronto, their hometown. <laughs> what? They're laughing. Do you watch my stuff? Not at all. <laughs> not at all. Came off such a dick. I know, it's great. I'm sorry. Kristen appeared. Uh, sorry, Kristen uh, hit Edge. Um, did a concerto to him. Him in the head with the chair, probably unprotected. Didn't he use the? Didn't he hit him with a trophy too, or something? Probably, yeah. Edge okay. had a trophy for being king of the ring. Oh yeah, he insisted on carrying Edge, Edge's trophy to the ring. That's right. And so, uh, Christian turned heel, joined the Alliance. Oh, the Alliance. And they went on to to have a program over the Intercontinental Title. What would be the point of him joining the Alliance? Doesn't make any sense. The whole Alliance thing didn't make any sense, anyways. It made loose sense. But Christian was never in ECW nor in WCW. Well, it made sense until Stone Cold joined. Yeah, I know, because they all, you know, WCW fired him, like, unceremoniously. I know, there was really no motivation for him to join the alliance. And then ratings tanked, and, yeah, never been the same. Nope. Um, but anyways, the, they went on a feud over the Interno- Intercontinental Championship. Yeah, I said that already. For a couple months. Oh, it, okay. Cool. <laughs> <laughs> Are you hurt that I don't I watch the material? You, I even, no, I, no, I don't want you to. I'd probably talk a lot of shit about you and that stuff. I'm like, hey, welcome to my Impact Review. Idiot's not here today. <laughs> Nothing you probably don't say on Twitter. <laughs> I know, exactly, yeah. Garbage isn't here. Yeah, what was all that about? It was funny, because I find the term garbage hilarious. I thought that was your passive-aggressive way of telling me not to come over that day. Uh, no, no, <laughs> no, no. I was like, oh, look, it's Father's Day. Oh, that's not my dad. It's just garbage Larson. That's funny. The term garbage is hilarious. Not uh, when it's used as an adjective before me. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. It's okay. I don't watch your stuff. It's well, fine. We're, you know, you, like you we're have, equal now. Yeah, okay. All right. It's fine. That's fine. <laughs> you don't have to watch my stuff. Unless you want to know what's going on in Impact, then you can watch my stuff. No, I really don't. YouTube.com. I did. MFC I used to watch NXT from time to time. Yeah, NXT was good. Yeah, I watched it. I might bring it back. But I haven't watched your Impact stuff. Um, there's nothing to watch. Number four, four, the Steiner Brothers, you fat bastard. Yeah, I was kind of surprised that the, like, I would assume that the Steiner Brothers started wrestling together, but that's not the case. Rick started first. No, uh, well, I thought Scott Steiner ended up in the Florida Territory, and then a general, the general manager there teamed him up with Rick Steiner, who was already there. Um, that happened in WCW, 1989. <laughs> I was talking about Legends of Wrestling. Oh, yeah, sorry. <laughs> You'd be a perfect fit for Rick Like I said, Steiner. I don't even watch our own stuff. For Rick Steiner. You played the game with me. You were there when it happened. We both got a good hearty chuckle. Apparently, I didn't absorb any of it. I guess not. Um, so, yeah, WCW, they started uh, tagging together January 1989. And within 10 months, they were your NWA tag team champion. Wait, you said so Rick was there first? That was the impression I got. Okay, Rick was wrestling first before yes. Scott. Rick is older. Yes. That makes some sense. Yes. Right. Um, they defeated the fabulous Freebird. Oh, no. Which, of course, is Michael oh, Hayes yeah. and Jimmy Garvin. Okay. Well, that's not the real Freebird. All right. And they would go on to win. Do you consider that real Freebirds? No. I would real ask. Real Freebirds, like 1983. I would ask what Michael Hayes' thoughts on it were. If he considered it real Freebirds. It might not be prime Freebirds. 
Okay, if fast forward five years from now, you're not here and Hilton's here, and ask anybody, would you consider it real going in raw? No, it was when Larson was there. If the views were better and the revenue was better, then yes, <laughs> would be. Okay, good point, good point. Anyways, uh, so they beat the fake Freebirds. Yeah, and they would go on to win 16 tag team championships all over the world. Oh my God. They were very successful. No, if Scott just wasn't like crazy-ish... Uh, or perceived as crazy. I don't want to call him crazy. Because I, I don't think somebody who's crazy can run a Shoney's in Ackworth. Do you think somebody who's crazy can like run a restaurant? It depends on the kind of crazy, like successfully. I mean, no, no, no. I mean, it, it depends on the issue. Really? Yeah. Like, oh, I'm going to threaten Hulk Hogan. <laughs> I mean, I guess so, because he's running uh, a I guess, I guess he Georgia. can. Uh, it's, just, it's, it's a bummer that the Steiner brothers are not in the Hall of Fame. I know. That's an absolute bummer. Well, you know, Scott Steiner, I think, recently said that he didn't want to be in the Hall of Fame anyways, because it's not a well, real place. of course he's going to say that, because he's never going to be invited. Because he said he doesn't have an address. <laughs> oh, man. Could you imagine his speech? It'd be amazing. It would be a train wreck. That would be fantastic. Absolute train wreck. So, uh, Scott Steiner started to turn heel on his brother all the way back, like, in late 97. Uh, he ditched the mullet, mm-hmm. threw a goatee. Yeah. Anybody with a goatee? Oh, yeah, means. they're evil. Yeah. Totally evil. Yeah. Um, and I remember w- watching when this was unfolding where they'd have matches and Scott would be in the wrestling and would never tag in Rick. Mm-hmm. Just wouldn't do it for whatever reason. Yeah. guess he thought, I mean, this is when he was getting all huge. <laughs> oh, he was really careful. working be on Be careful there. <laughs> Watch the R word. He's getting real uh, ripped. Huge, I said. Yeah, big. Huge. Yeah. He was really working on his peaks. Yeah. He he must have wrecked his peaks at a record pace. Yeah, I know. I think he did. Yeah, really. Um, anyways, uh, so he started a feud. Did you already mention the Buff Bagwell feud? No. He started a feud with Buff Bagwell over who had the better physique, and he developed a short fuse with his temper. Yeah, that was kind of interesting to me. Like, all of a sudden, he was a complete hothead, where I don't think he was that before. He always seemed fairly mild-mannered prior to this. Yeah, but I think he, he was still known as a pretty stiff worker. Oh, yeah, yeah. No, they're always stiff workers. Yeah, so uh, the, this whole thing came to a head at Super Brawl 8. February 1998, nice. um, when the Steiners took on the Outsiders for the WCW Tag Championships. Mm-hmm. Uh, during the match, Rick sent both Hall and Ash outside of the ring. Um, uh, was that was that, was it over the top rope? Was it a DQ? Well, I, by this point, I'm assuming that uh, that wasn't a DQ. Mm. Um, he was celebrating. Scott entered the ring mm. and uh, attacked him, gave him a powerbomb, and then Scott left. Outsiders won. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, Scott comes back in, gives Hall and Nash the belts. Mm-hmm. He's NWO for life. The next night, I was there. Well, we were there. In w- at WCW Nitro here in Sacramento. Yes. And uh, we saw the debut of what they, they called, they tried to call him what, Larson? Come on. So you remember this. White Thunder? Yes. Very good. White Thunder. That lasted, I think, just that night. Yeah. And then he was just Scott Steiner. He dyed his hair that iconic shade of, like, blistering white. Um, and then he had that weird uh, goatee, started putting all sorts of weird tattoos on him. Um, and he became the Scott Steiner that we he was growing. Big Papa Pump. To know and love. Number three. Three. The Shield. This was uh, pretty dramatic. So the Shield massively, massively over... Uh, uh, faction comprised, of course, of Dean Ambrose, Roman Reigns, and Seth Rollins. The yes. Architect debuted November 18, 2012, and they helped CM Punk 
retain the WWE title against, I believe, Ryback, right? And John Cena. Oh, it was a triple threat. Okay. And John Cena then. Um, the Shield went undefeated for an undisclosed number. For a long time. time. I forgot <laughs> to fill that space <laughs> in, but they went undefeated for a while. Uh, yeah. Rollins and Reigns defeated Team Hell No. Mm-hmm. Become the uh, tag team champions, Extreme Rules uh, 2003, and they held those titles till October um, 2013. Did I say 2003? Sorry, Extreme Rules 2013 before. Yeah. October 2013, they lost them, I believe, to Cody Rhodes and Goldust. Oh, that sounds right. Um, and then uh, they turned face, of course, mm-hmm. took on Evolution mm-hmm, for yeah. a while. And then uh, shortly after that, Rollins turned on the Shield. He was the Plan B pill for yes. Triple H. Yes. On a June second, 2014 episode of Raw. Yeah. Hit both Dean and his former uh, tag team champion, Roman Reigns, in the back with chairs. It's pretty rare. A chair. Pretty rare that the WWE uh, doesn't run something into the ground before yes. they make a change. To oh, it. I know. And so the fact that these guys—you could argue—they broke up the shield at the very peak of their popularity. Oh, absolutely! Yeah, when they were the most over, um, Triple H and Orton, of course, part of the Authority. They were Evolution. They—they they they were, were Evolution. Okay. And earlier in the night, oh Batista Rollins. Left. Yeah, okay. And then Rollins showed up, and then they became the Authority. Um, yeah, he said, uh, "Always have a plan B." And uh, Rollins uh, took a chair first to Roman Reigns, and then it's great because Dean Ambrose holds it perfectly, turns around, and gets blasted with a chair. Yep. And uh, Rollins, his, his old catchphrase, I didn't sell out. I bought in. I bought in on Seth Rollins. Of course, he went on to become, uh, they all became WWE champion. Yeah, at, at least times. once. Yeah, at least once. Um, Seth Rollins is also responsible for the greatest cash-in Money in the Bank briefcase history. In history. Took absolutely. place at WrestleMania 31 Yeah, when he cashed in, mm-hmm. took the uh, the WWE title from Brock Lesnar mm-hmm. by defeating Roman Reigns in yeah. the main event of WrestleMania that year. Held the belt for seven months or so before uh, blowing out his knee at a house show by match against Kane. Yeah, by the time Seth Rollins' career is over... We're going to be able to do several lists of the neatest things yes. that Seth Rollins has done. Because he's done a lot of neat things. He's done a lot of neat things. Yeah. And he's uh, the new cover athlete for WWE 2K18. I know. It's exciting. It's pretty cool. Good for him. Number two. Two. DIY. This is uh, one of the more recent uh, turns, but gosh darn it. Boy, oh boy. It was a fantastic one. It was. It was a heartbreaking one. So, uh, if I remember correctly, DIY were just kind of put together to take... Part yeah, in the just, first De- uh, Dusty Rhodes Tag Team Classic. If I recall correctly, they just sort of appeared in William Regal's office during one of those cheesy office segments they do, and they just showed up. And uh, yeah, I mean, there were two you know names that were fairly big on the independent mm-hmm. circuit. You know, uh, they always you know, probably catch them always at the PWG yeah. shows, of course. Um, and yeah, they they were brought in. And sort of, you know, put together as a tag team for the Dusty Classic in uh, 2015. Um, they advanced in the first round of the tournament, defeating Tyler Breeze and Bull Dempsey. Bull Fit. Remember Bull Fit? Yeah. Yeah. Um, they got eliminated in the second round, um, uh, losing to the team of Baron Corbin and Rhino. Remember that? Why was Baron Corbin in the tag team? His whole shtick is I'm lone wolf guy. I didn't think he and Rhino wanted to be partners. They advanced to the finals, though, didn't they? They took on Finn Balor and uh, Samoa Joe. Oh, yeah, that sounds right. So. Yeah, okay. Um, and then uh, shortly after that, they... Cause I think they were kind of working on, like, a freelance deal. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they, well, uh, 
Champa, it was said uh, on eight, in April of 2016, right? 2016, it said Champa had signed with WWE earlier in the week. His NXT contract was a, quote, tier two contract, which allowed him to continue working independent dates alongside his now regular NXT bookings. So there, he was the tier two. I'd never heard of tiers. Neither did I. And it was uh, in July. What do you think Bobby Roode's contract is? Oh, he's tier one. Exclusive. You don't think, think he's like tier five? Like, I don't know if it gets better, like more exclusive the higher you go. I would think I tier know. one is like developmental. Like, you can't do anything. Not allowed to talk to anybody. Only can you eat the food that they serve you. Or maybe it's tier two is kind of like your part-time WWE. Yeah, yeah. That's what I was tier one yeah. is your exclusive. That could be. That could be. I don't maybe know. Maybe tier three is crap tier. Maybe. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I don't know. Anyways, uh, Johnny Gargano uh, signed on full-time with NXT July mm, 2016. Okay. All right. Um, and that was after... That was before. Sorry. Before they appeared in the very first Cruiserweight Classic. Oh, and they a had classic, a stellar match. A classic match. It was fantastic. These two guys. I mean, the funny thing is, like, so they didn't have much of a history together as a team before before they came to NXT. They were they had never teamed up, as far as I know. But in the short amount of time that from them going through the Dusty Classic, they really made you feel the relationship between these two guys. Yeah, and that was their story, is these guys who, who you know, were kind of put together and became friends mm-hmm. and basically became brothers. Yeah, but there was never anything, like, they never did any, like, real, like, vignettes. Like, you think of the Roderick Strong vignette. Yeah. Which, you know, they haven't done a lot of those. But, like, there was none of that. It was just, like, these guys would... would they would just tell the story either in the ring or through commentary or whatever. Or a little short interview segment. Or a little maybe. short, exactly, yeah. And you just felt the chemistry between the two of them. Like, we used to joke that they looked like a father-son tag yeah. team. And yeah. that, that was kind of apropos. And they, uh, not only they forged a pretty significant bond, but they formed a really uh, solid bond with the NXT crowd. Right, yeah, totally, absolutely. And I think as they grew closer, they as a team grew closer with the NXT universe. I think it, this also, you know, it was kind of interesting because so you have guys like the Vaude Villains who is like a totally a gimmick. But then you had guys like American Alpha. They, they always have like really interesting tag team situations in NXT, especially around this time you had American Alpha getting together who was again, you know, one side of it was, uh, you know, Jason Jordan was a reluctant tag team partner at Chad Gable who was all in on it. Yeah. And they got together and they had a lot of success in NXT before they went to Maine and... Prematurely. Pre, yeah, prematurely. Um, and then you had guy, you know, then you had Gargano and Champa, Gargano and Champa, and uh, and I don't know, it was just it's it's you forge a bond with these guys as a, as a fan of the product because they're sort of thrown in the situation together and they're making the most of it and they're really giving it their all. Like all their matches were fantastic. Oh yeah. And so, anyways, they ended up going getting super over with the crowd um, and eventually became uh, NXT Tag Team Champions after beating. Uh, the revival. Yeah, on June first of twenty. No, no, no. They, they won them. Uh, they won the tag team championships at uh, NXT Toronto. Oh, November. okay, okay, all right. They uh, they tried the first time NXT Brooklyn two. Mm-hmm. Um, didn't win. We were there for that great mm-hmm. match, stellar match. Yeah. Um, but they finally won at Toronto and then lost them um, NXT San Antonio. Okay. Yeah. Authors of Pain. Yeah. So they didn't have them very long. They, I mean, they were sort of sandwiched between two really, really great heel tag teams. The Revival and Authors of Pain. Um, and it's very surprising. Very surprising. Like, so they had that final match against the Authors of Pain, and I did not see that coming. At the very end of the match, they lost, 
and uh, uh, Champa turned on Gargano and just com- viciously, savagely beat him down. And the the reaction that the crowd had, that Gargano had, like a puppy who was being beat by his owner. Oh my goodness! It was heartbreaking. It, it really was fantastic. Of course, it's because Tommaso Ciampa got injured in a like a house show match. I think. Yeah, a few days before their uh, Takeover Chicago match. Yeah. Yeah, and so he comes out the following episode of NXT and drops a great promo, mm-hmm. saying, "You know, I'm not going to be replaced by anybody. I'm going to be on the shelf for six months or whatever it is." And he didn't want to see Gargano becoming a huge star while he was out. Right. And so exactly. he put him on the shelf as well. I mean, at the end of the day, Ciampa's nickname is Psycho Killer. Mm-hmm. Can't really trust a guy called Psycho Killer is not going to swerve you. Yeah, probably not. Yeah, probably not. Number one. One. The Rockers. So Mario Gennetti and Shawn Michaels started tagging together in 1985. Very, very long time They were ago. put together um, when they were in an organization called NWA Central States Wrestling. That's the best name I've ever heard. Next of year, they signed with AWA, and they dubbed themselves the Midnight Rockers. Yeah. Um, but apparently, Vern Gagne, the mm-hmm. owner of AWA, didn't get it. Yeah. He thought Rockers was like a rocking chair. That's awesome. That's great. I think he actually still let them, like, he yeah. he, he was still cool with it. Though. Yeah, he just didn't understand it. <laughs> but you have to appreciate, I don't know what, rocking chairs? All right, whatever you guys want to do, that's fine. Just get it over. You that's guys, all I care about. You guys know what it's like being rich. <laughs> no, Vern. <laughs> um, they were there for about a year, and they signed a contract with WWF. Were briefly there for a little bit in 1987, but were fired. Yeah, And then the next year, after wrestling in AWA and I think in Memphis too, mm-hmm. they came back yeah, yeah, yeah. to WWF uh, full time. 1988, renamed the Rockers. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, got pretty darn popular. Yeah, it's crazy because like you think, oh, the Rockers, yeah, total tag team champions. No, they actually unofficially held the WWF tag team. And champions. very briefly, so yeah. uh, they beat the Hart Foundation. On uh, October 30th, 1990, during a television taping, the two out of three falls match, um, Jim the Anvil, Neidhart, mm. um, was in the process of being let go by the WWF, um, but they changed their mind, they brought him back, and the WWF decided not to uh, recognize or ever air the title change, and yeah. put the titles back on the Hart Foundation, so as a, that match never aired. And the uh, the Rockers' very short reign as tag champions were ne- was never officially recognized. Yeah, non-canon. Yes, didn't actually happen. Didn't happen. Um, fast forward January 1992 episode of uh, Brutus Beefcake's Barber Shop. Mm-hmm. Swerve happened, so there was uh, the Rockers were having trouble uh, on camera. Kayfabe. Yeah. Also backstage. Yes. Um, leading up to this segment, and uh, Brutus trying to be uh, a mediator. Yeah. Um, yes, brought them together to work out their problems. And it right. seemed at first they did until uh, Shawn Michaels super kicked Marty Jannetty and then threw him headfirst through a window. Yeah, just remember, dude, if I ever show up to a mediation session uh, between you and I yeah. and I'm wearing black leather and sunglasses, chances are you're eating a super kick or a power bomb. You know what punch. would really be the kicker is if you have a goatee too. I can't grow a goatee, man. So well, that's good to know. So if now you see, if you see some more dirt up in here, it doesn't mean I can't be evil. If you see some more dirt, up no, here, I'm just saying if, just if, if you suddenly grow somehow a goatee, oh, then I'm fully evil. Yeah, I know. To, I know to find employment elsewhere. Oh yeah, for sure. I'm go, gonna get forward. Go call Hilton, man. Absolutely. <laughs> oh no, call Ulysses. And then be like, dude, you can't swear as much as you do. This is a new day on YouTube. 
Anyways. <laughs> so we mentioned they, they were having trouble not only in front of cameras, this but was, this is so behind sad. the cameras. This is really sad. Like, imagine, dude. I mean, honestly, it kind of is like, you know, you and I have known each other for 20 years now, and it's like we, we've established ourselves in this career because of each other. Yeah. And it's like these guys start out in the most podunk way possible. What was the name of that NWA? Central States Wrestling. What in the heck? In 1985, 1986, they landed at AWA. They were both in WWF and fired. Then a year later, they came back. So these guys traveled at least the country, maybe even the world together. And went pretty far in the span of three years. And found a lot of success. And then, and then but yeah, it's like behind the scenes. They were fighting over money. <laughs> yeah. The short route is they were fighting over money. Then in 1991, so dude, this is like... Six years later, after six years, I'm sorry, six years after they started out together. Yeah, Roddy, they're all drunk. Which is yeah, yeah. First off, bad. This is this is according to uh, this is a DVD extra on the Shawn Michaels autobiography, um, Heartbreak and Triumph. Okay? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Piper was talking about how how much he liked Shawn Michaels, and he said, "quote uh, Michaels had a great future in the business, and that Michaels had all this talent." And then uh, Marty Jannetty took uh, exception to this, thinking, I guess, that he was on Shawn's level, um, and he, uh, he wanted to fight Shawn Michaels. What the heck? First, Shawn Michaels said no. Yeah. Um, and then, eventually, uh, Janae just hit him. Um, Piper pulled him apart. Mm-hmm. Uh, apparently, uh, Shawn Michaels, uh, whether it be because of booze or a fist to the face, was out. Yeah. Um, and uh, I guess they were going to arrest Marty Janetti until uh, Macho Man said, hey, this is all part of storyline. Don't worry about it. That's great. Okay, Macho Man. Hey, listen, this is all part of it. So, Macho Man, he had to, like, lower the curtain on the business. A little bit. To broke kayfabe. He broke kayfabe to the cops. Oh, yeah, it's all fake, man. It's all part of the storyline. Don't tell anybody. Oh, yeah. yeah. That's between you and me. Dig it. There's all sorts of hidden cameras in this bar. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Look for it on primetime wrestling next week. <laughs> I'll give you an autograph. So, uh, anyways, they broke up early '92, and and it you know you expect a feud to happen, mm-hmm. but it didn't because Janetti left the company. Um, uh, apparently, due to an incident that happened at a Tampa nightclub um, shortly after the breakup, he was arrested with charges of resisting arrest with force. What was Janetti? Did Janetti have a finisher? Would he have a finisher? I don't remember. Was it a super kick? Probably. Okay. Uh, cocaine possession and possession of drug paraphernalia. Um, the feud to be abandoned, at least temporary. So he was uh, suspended. Yeah, and uh, he came back on the uh, October 31st, 1992 edition of WWF Superstars. So about nine months later, again, you know, things were not. There were not. There was not weekly wrestling. TV. There was, in fact, in fact, there was. Fact, there so was. apparently, you know, Shawn Michaels at this time had a, a sensational Sherry as his manager. He'd bring out a mirror, mm-hmm, pose, yeah. and preen in front of said mirror. Well, uh, Marty. Uh, attacked Sean, got a hold of the mirror, tried to break it over Shawn Michaels. Mm-hmm. Sean grabbed Sensational Sherry, put Sherry in front of him, so Sherry had the mirror broken over her. Um, and this led to a match at Royal Rumble 93 between Michaels and Janetti mm-hmm. um, for Shawn Michaels' Intercontinental title. Shawn Michaels won. Mm-hmm. Um, and we didn't see Murray Janetti in WWF until May 17th of the following year. So another seven months. Mm-hmm. Um, 
challenged HBK for the Intercontinental title, won it, yeah. um, only to lose it back to Michaels at a house show, um, thanks to Diesel. Kevin Nash. Diesel. Yeah. And then that was kind of the end of it. Yeah. Um, although Marty made, what, a, a, an appearance like 12 years later well, on no, Raw? You no, know, Marty came back a couple times. Yeah. This is he never feuded with Michaels. But didn't he come back for a segment with Sean at one point? Um, oh, yeah, no. But, yeah, you're, you're talking about, like, um, it was, I believe, what was it? It was, it was either Kurt Angle or Chris Jericho. I think, it was an, I think it was a feud with Kurt Angle. Okay. Or Chris Jericho. I forget. But, uh, yeah, they brought Marty back. Marty looked great. Um, and the WWF, I think, actually wanted to keep him, but apparently personal issues got in the way of that mm-hmm. happening. So mm-hmm. even after all that time, um, he still hadn't gotten his act together. Um, but no, you know, they, they tried to form the new Rockers with uh, Al Snow. Yeah. Um, he was Leaf Cassidy. Leaf Cassidy, yeah. And uh, so he actually came back, like, on a fairly, uh, relatively regular basis. Yeah. I think up until, like, the uh, the Attitude Era, so like five years or so. And he was in uh, WCW for a little bit, too. Yeah, he was in WCW for a bit, too. Um, but, uh, but yeah, and I saw, I saw something with Marty Jannetty where he was being interviewed and they said, you know, how do you feel about the, when people derisively refer to a, a member of a tag team as the Marty Jannetty of the two? And he says, well, you know what? Everybody I was with found a lot of success, so I just take it that way. That's a positive way to take it. Um, hopefully Marty's doing okay. Yes. Days. I, don't, I haven't. Yeah, yeah, I upon him any time recently. I, I did. I saw him. He was uh, wrestling some event. I know he's still wrestling. So, uh, yeah, hopefully he's doing good. Yes. Uh, anyways, that's it for the top ten tag team breakups. As long as you're, uh, you're helping me bring in the cash. I don't see this tag team breaking up anytime soon. Likewise. Yeah. We don't have to watch each other's stuff, but as long as this keeps making money, that's all that matters. <laughs> if you want to know what's going on on Impact. You know where to go. Buddy. Yes, please do. Watch the show. I'm sure it's good. <laughs> no. Um, anyways, until next time, we'll talk to you guys later. Bye. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. I absolutely love this because, you know, if you own a home, it can be really hard to maintain. It's hard to find people that can help you for a big project or a small Well, whether it's in everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality, it can be hard just to know where to start. But now, all you need to do is answer that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, Answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish. Or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. Our kids have said to us since we've moved to Minnesota, we are far more active than we've ever been anywhere else we've ever lived. Moving to Minnesota opened up a lot of doors for us. Just this overall sense of community, those values that you know Minnesotans have. It's a real accepting, loving community, especially with two young kids. See what makes Minnesota the star of the North. New residents share why they love calling it home at exploreminnesota.com/live.